0: You're listening to Irish Radio, Candice, home and abroad. Collision 2020 was scheduled to be in Toronto, but due to COVID-19, as with all other conferences, etc., had to go to the virtual world. And in the virtual world, the Irish are as well represented there as they would have been had the event taken place in Toronto. And I have the opportunity to have a chat with Jonathan Leg of and Open. And uh, while Jonathan is currently still back on the lovely. Fertile Green Soil of Ireland Uh, He is virtually here in Canada Jonathan, thanks a million for coming along for a chat Oh,
1: thanks for having me And I'm literally just in from the garden Where I was working on that said soil
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And open Yes Who or what what? First of all, the 15 second elevator page
1: Um, And that we call ourselves the The world's first customer happiness platform um, and in that, it's, for us, it's about human connections, that brands that can show their human sides, they can reach people. And our mission is to help those brands forge those relationships. And we do that through easy, memorable gifting, gifting that reaches people with a powerful message that, that they matter, that this brand cares about them. Um, and I guess in, in a, the hyper-digital world we live in today, that, that kind of human touch, it goes that bit further. And it helps build loyalty. It encourages engagement, and it inspires advocacy. So it's it's our mission to to help brands show they care. We work for <laughs> brands like um, Turo and WeWork and One Medical and Airbnb would be our biggest clients. Um, so it's yeah, we're, we're gifting as a a bridge to connect brands with their communities.
0: Okay, well, Airbnb is one that the consumer is very much aware of may not be as familiar with others. So as an example, how would Airbnb use your services?
1: Airbnb, we work with their customer support team okay. across the globe and we help them as they have, when they have resolved issues for their customers okay. we help them by kind of bringing the message to a new place and sending a gift. Okay. And I'd say over 75% of the gifting they're doing is just thanking people for doing the right thing, for taking care of somebody, for feeding them, for driving them to the airport, and it's about Airbnb showing, actually, like, we recognize this, and we want to say thank you for putting that effort in.
0: Okay. So, um, that of its nature, then, when you say an Airbnb, it's a global company with Mm -hmm. global customer service, global clients, and global everything, and you're based in Dublin.
1: Yes, but we, we also have global everything. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, we have a pretty robust, smart piece of technology that integrates into um, five different uh, distribution centers. We run across the globe, so we have distribution, um, two distribution centers in the U.S., um, uh, two in Europe, uh, one in Australia to reach the kind of wider APAC region, and then one in China specifically to reach China.
0: So, Johnson, when you have, say you have distribution centers, then are you physically stocking product on shelves? Yes. Okay.
1: Yeah. So we're holding product in each of those locations so they can be delivered within like one to two days.
0: So given what has just happened and being COVID-19, where <laughs> um, a lot of, <laughs> excuse, a lot of uh, what would have been traditional ways of doing business have been totally interrupted, On the one hand, one could say um, loyalty programs and the showing of loyalty may have been suspended. But on the other side of the coin, one could say that it's a time when more than ever there was a need to show uh, 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 thankfulness.
1: Um, Oh, I completely agree. Yeah, and we've seen, I'd say, two-thirds of our customers are gifting now more than they have ever been gifting. Um, because, I mean, I think in general, over the last six, even prior to the pandemic kind of throwing its shadow across the globe, we we were seeing an increase anyway in, co- in businesses beginning to realize that it's not just about kind of perpetual newness and just bringing in new customers the whole time, but you have to take care of the customer base you have. And retention is as important. Um, and then the pandemic hits and people are like, wow, how do we even stay, like, if we're not actually even if our service has been disrupted, but how do we keep that relationship alive? Um, so reaching out, even something as simple as just sending them the card, um, like we do a lot of that. And um, Yeah, it's about kind of breaking through a lot of the the noise out there and landing something in their hands, And yeah. <laughs> but not just anything. Like we, we would work very carefully with all our clients and their brand teams to understand what is their voice? What do they want to say with these gifts? And therefore we're then aligning all the messaging of that gift to that voice. And we're also going about the sourcing from in a very kind of considered way. We want to source as locally as possible. We're making sure it's all very responsibly sourced. We work very closely with a lot of our manufacturers. Um, so we're kind of taking care of that whole piece and all that messaging then comes to the customer. So if they're given like a beeswax candle, they'll be told where that candle was made, they'll be told you're given a beeswax candle um, because beeswax is the most sustainable source of wax and when you burn beeswax, it purifies the air and in the world of Airbnb, a, beeswax, a candle in the window in many cultures is a sign of an open home mm-hmm. and we want to say thank you for opening your home. So it's about like really contextualising the gift into the moment.
0: So having distribution centres and in, during the current crisis again particularly, uh, I know I ordered a case for my phone on the 12th of April um, and I'm still waiting for it. And we're, <laughs> we're now at the end of June uh, where yeah. norm- normally that would have taken approximately um, maybe at most two to three weeks even to come from the other side of the globe. We're looking at two yeah. to three months. Has that presented you with real challenges?
1: Yeah, it definitely, um, as the pandemic, I guess, was moving westward, we, we were seen as affecting our distribution centres and dispatching was delayed by, in some cases, by 21 days. Mm-hmm. Um, but a key piece for us in that situation will all be about, about maintaining the communication and making sure we're being clear with the recipients. So telling them your gift is going to be delayed. After 10 days, saying your gift is still here, we are aware that it hasn't been dispatched yet, but as soon as it has, we will tell you. So kind of, communication is key for us so then an
0: an integral part of your service and your offering to your clients is bridging that communications gap also
1: yes it's about making it easy for them to do this sort of thing like lots of companies do gifts but they struggle to do it in any kind of meaningful or or scaled manner we take care of all that messiness i mean even if you just think about christmas time and trying to get gifts for your family Mm -hmm. and trying to make sure you're getting gifts that will mean something to all of them and then wrapping and packing them, and then getting to them, whether you're going to an event with them or you're trying to get it to back to home to them in Ireland, that's not easy. And then you try and do that o- across, like like we send out about 4,000 gifts a week. So um, <coughs> there's a big scale <coughs> we're achieving, and the technology helps us do that. And all our clients, agents, do, whoever's triggering the gifts, it's just a few clicks on our platform to allow them to dispatch the gifts and then we take care of all the rest and keep them updated across every stage. So as well as keeping the recipient updated about where their gift is at, we're keeping the person who sent the gift updated as to where that's happening, just in case they need to be looped in and that sort of thing.
0: So, Jonathan, what was the trigger then that, for you, said there's an opportunity here? There must have been a few frustrations in experiences that said this could be done better. Yeah, I mean, there was... A few, like all these things, I think
1: it was like, like a few things kind of came together. So I had a smaller business with my brother called Makers and Brothers. It was an online direct-to-consumer retailer of kind of high-end lifestyle goods, um, which is a fancy way of saying just nice handcrafted homewares. And originally a lot of it was Irish-made. Mm-hmm. We were to support indigenous makers and help them bring their product to market. Because we would, like, uh, and uh, just take a step back from that. Like, my background is furniture design. Like, now as a CEO of, of a tech business, <laughs> uh, I sometimes, I question myself every day. But I, <coughs> um, but for me, design, I guess, that, that, that thinking about furniture, whatever you're thinking about, like, design is a way of approaching problems and solving problems. So we were trying to help those makers bring their products to market. And I was using my design background to kind of refine what they were doing and bring it out there. And after about four years of that, and it was a good, like we had a team of 12 people and it was a nice little business. We wanted to grow it and we were looking at where the volume was coming from. And 30% of our requests were corporate requests from different businesses. So so we were trying to figure out how do we grow that? So we just started conversations with those different businesses. Um, And they were businesses like Google and Facebook and Airbnb. Um, And that brought us into a place where... We got into a conversation with our B and they kind of, their view on us, which was perfectly fair at the time, was that you're a really interesting local player, but you won't be able to scale the way we need this type of program to scale. And, but I guess they're like, you can, we're running an RFP and out of the US. There's six other US retailers pitching for this job. If you're interested you can be the wild card we can't promise you anything it's a six-month commitment um and i mean personally i love the idea of being a wild card so we um we we got into that opportunity and because we had all the parts we needed to do what they needed it was just about reconfiguring different elements of us like it was like our technology already did us we just needed to find the right partnerships in the right distribution centers we knew how to design the gifts. We knew how to work with creative people, source them. We already took a very kind of responsible approach to all of that. Um, and then the key piece was building out the technology to allow it happen across uh, like it was about 19,000 call center agents around the globe.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So um, yeah, it's um, that w- that was Airbnb gave us an opportunity. And a, would, and I would the occasion.
0: Would it be fair to take in that because uh, Ireland has yes. such a wealth of high tech companies, the, all the major players, that you were able to market to some of these without having to globetrot?
1: Well, that, that's 100% fair. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Airbnb's, like, their global kind of headquarters for customer support. Was five miles away from us. Mm-hmm. Like we have the same for 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 LinkedIn for Zen. Yeah, like most of the big global players have something of that nature here in Ireland. And likewise, and, um, some of, of the senior
0: some of the senior staff then are also Irish. So there is, uh, um, if not all, that at least when you walk in the door, uh, you're not a stranger.
1: Definitely. Yeah. No. All the, All that. All those little things help. Like that kind of. Yeah, there's kind of elements of social power, I guess you call them. Yeah. Um, yeah, they all really help build those relationships. And um, it's made a massive difference to us. And it's allowed us to kind of keep our headquarters here. We have a small office in San Francisco. But the bulk of everything we do, we're doing out of Dublin. Right.
0: That's great. So, Jonathan, Collision, um, what were yeah. you hoping to gain from it? And given that it is virtual this year... Um, yeah, does that present challenges or does it actually present opportunity?
1: I mean, personally, I, I loved the physical nature of conferences, and that for me was the main draw of, of any conference. Um, and I can see it as definitely an opportunity. I probably haven't grasped it properly. Um, you probably, when you don't leave your house, you can become a bit more complacent about an app than you would um meeting somebody in person um so collision for us so i'm giving a talk tonight on the kind of the future of loyalty in a kind of a post-pandemic world and it's it's importance and what people should be looking out for um and i'm excited about that and i'm excited to just to see who tunes into that and to talk to them about it um yeah, I, I don't have huge expectations um, half of this for me was also just practicing public speaking <laughs> that, was, that was half the challenge
0: it was like let's see if Jonathan can actually talk in public um, um, but I would imagine that um, being virtual means that those that are interested in specifics from uh, the other side of the world particularly are for, that they're not having to encounter the same degree of cost particularly Uh, to be able to connect directly with someone like you and that you're able to get your message to them directly, again, without having to filter or to go through an awful lot of uh, what would have been tedious um, qualification processes.
1: Yeah, that's very true. The the directness, not only just with an event like collision, but just uh, kind of of how people are communicating now kind of during a pandemic. That's been amazing, like where you might kind of be traveling through New York and San Francisco and looking to book meetings in along your journey, and like that's when you would plan to meet the person. Whereas now, you just connect with them all the time, and it's so much easier. So like, yeah, that the recognition and um, people's openness and willingness to hop on a call like this, not wait for the the um the, the actual in-person meeting, um, that's brilliant. And yeah, you're right; it makes it so much easier.
0: So, going back to some of the logistics you indicate, while you have the distribution centres, one of the challenges must be um, for um, complying with and being careful relative to the dangers at the moment. And at the same time, if you're getting an increase in demand uh, for business, um, is is there a challenge at the moment on that sphere as well? Definitely. I mean, definitely at first...
1: Like we so our distribution centers are um we don't technically own them they're third party, we have partnerships there, but there was a big investment by us in particular in in kind of p p e for the for our u s distribution center mm-hmm. uh, that was something we had to we did like right from the get go because um they needed support with that and they needed to also, we wanted them and they wanted to be able to show their staff they were looking out for them and that they were coming into a safe environment to work. Um, So staying on top of it, like our logistics team has been really good about staying on top of all of that and kind of staying up to date on all the procedures that are in place and keeping that clear and that messaging through the line all the way up to our clients and, and out onwards to their customers.
0: So you mentioned uh, before you um, went into the current phase, uh, the, what, there was 12 uh, Was twelve of you or no? Yep. Yeah. How many of you now?
1: Now there is uh, 32. <laughs> we've, just, we've made three h- hires during the pandemic, which has been interesting. So we've got three new members of the team that I've never met in person. <laughs> but it's exciting. Um, I mean, we've grown very organically over the last three years um and we haven't actually had a sales or marketing team until like we made our first sales hire last week and our first marketing hire um 6 weeks ago so we're we're now just i guess possibly contrary to the way a lot of other startups are operating like we're also completely self-funded we don't have any vc money in in, a, in with us so we've been able to set our own pace and learn our own lessons and understand what we're doing and, and make all those kind of early mistakes and just get on with it mm-hmm. um but we're now at a place where we're very kind of comfortable with what we're doing and i like i have this amazing core team around me and we're we're now ready to grow and that's quite exciting to be able to to have brought us to this place and kept control of us but uh, i guess we didn't want to take money before we really knew what we were doing with it beyond kind of some sort of wild sweeping statements towards growth. Like we now know how we want to grow and we know how we're going to do it um, as much as one can um, and we have enough kind of experience between us to, to do something about that. So it's <laughs> like the, the, the being self-funded piece will will change in the next 12 months, but um, I think for, for the right reasons.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, Jonathan, I've taken enough of your time. It's been great having a chat. If anybody wants to find you out there on the web or anywhere, where should they go looking?
1: They should go to andopen.co. So that's .co,
0: and uh, I have no doubt you're on the likes of Instagram and Facebook and all those places as well.
1: We are. Yep, yeah, we're on. Um, yeah, we're everywhere. Yeah, we're um, pro- actually probably not on Facebook. But we are definitely on Instagram, and we are definitely on Twitter. Right. So find us there also with the. Uh, the handle and open.co
0: indeed Jonathan thanks so much for taking the time thank you Austin it was a pleasure and here's a little piece of music called the gift box set from Bieluk Collision is happening virtually this year last year it was in Toronto and it was meant to be back in Toronto but unfortunately as we know all these events now have to go in some virtual world and when I was looking down through the participants this year I noticed that there was someone coming in from Tullamore with um, uh, Tullamore Dew and I was intrigued what would Tullamore Dew be doing at Collision and Kevin Pigott is here with me, and Kevin, um, welcome first of all, and uh, greetings from this side of the world over, back to Tullamore, mm-hmm. and tell us, what are you doing at Collision?
3: Yeah, so it's a, a bit of a funny story, obviously when COVID happened, we've um, my role as a global ambassador is to host a lot of events in person, uh, so we decided to pivot and do a virtual Irish sort of whiskey cocktail experience so we we're trying to sort of bring the Irish pub alive virtually um, after a successful run of that in Ireland uh, we got some uh, recognition in the Sunday Business Post they did a full page on the experience and what companies were doing during COVID uh, to repurpose their distillery we've made 2.6 million bottles of hand sanitizer uh, thus far and then the virtual cocktail classes are sort of another element of what we're doing from an experience. The guys who are involved in Collision usually have drink sponsors for some of the live events or experiences for some of their media guests um, just for them as, as a more a way to connect and to meet other people in their industry. So it's just to facilitate that. Actually, we couldn't be in Toronto to do a drinks reception or a masterclass like we would like to. Right. Um, so we offered them an opportunity to... Um, run a, a virtual Irish pub experience. So I do the first one tonight at 11 p.m. Irish time, and we're going to have music, uh, songs, storytelling, spoken words, and a few uh, Irish whiskey cocktails thrown in there. Right.
0: So, so, you, so who'd you who'd the who's on the playlist?
3: Um, well, I've actually we've got a singer-songwriter from Cork. His name is Dan Elliott, and he's going to go on and sing a medley of songs. So he'll right. sing some uh irish based sort of traditional songs but some more modern stuff like derma kennedy as well to show the breadth of irish music that it's moved on from raglan road but we still love raglan road (laughs) and so hopefully we'll we'll catch a bit of that and throw in um we do a request series as well so we'll put in if we get seven or eight song requests we'll play a mashup of everything that they you know if you have a christy moore fan online and you have a what Ed Sheeran and whatever it might be the artist will collate a series of those requests into one big sort of 10 minute song Right, so.
0: right uh, I, I should be putting in a request that you get Jig Jam in there
3: Oh, they're a wonderful band,
0: Aren't
3: really
0: they're good they're lad, band very crack yes, they are indeed. Um, For those who don't know, Jig Jam is a Tullamore based band I've had the opportunity to meet them and they play a uh, um, uh, fusion of American bluegrass and Irish traditional music and do a fantastic job on it and it's worth looking up their website and learning more about Jig Jam come back to uh, Tullamore Dew uh, a little bit on about Tullamore Dew for those who may not know it um, and uh, those who may when we get back to travelling would be able to experience what happens down around Tullamore as part of a holiday Uh, tell us a bit about what could happen there
3: Yeah, so just uh, an overview. It's the second largest Irish whiskey in the world. Um, So we sell about 17 million bottles a year in about 82 countries. Uh, I was actually supposed to be in Canada this month hosting events, uh, coinciding with a visit to my brother who lives out in Vancouver. So uh, we're hopefully going to do more in Canada in the next year or two, which I'm quite excited about. Um, In terms of the experience here, we've spent 100 million on a brand new distillery here in Tullamore in 2014. Uh, just last week, we finished the cooperage and we've hired a brand new head cooper. So we've over 100 staff here. Uh, when I started, we would have had 12. So it's great to see uh, production actually come back to the town. Uh, whiskey production had stopped in the town for 60 years. Uh, so it's a relatively small town. We're talking 14,500 people. So a globally recognized brand is a very exciting thing. Uh, my family are from Athlone now, living in Athlone, although originally from Ballastow. And... Um, And, you know, Athlone isn't globally known for anything, but it's great to see people from all over the world en route from Dublin to Galway sort of nearly pulling in accidentally when they see the road sign because they've been drinking Tullamore but never realised it was a place. Um, So we offer a series of different tours and levels depending if you have a casual interest in whiskey and want to learn a little bit about the history and the man behind it, Daniel Edmund Williams. That's the Uh, D-E-W. There's periods there that sort of indicate it's a man's name as opposed to the moisture on the grass, which a lot of people sort of make that call, which is fair enough. Um, so that's, I guess, one aspect. And then the second is we can do these sort of uh, VIP distillery experiences where you really get to see everything uh, from the, the barrel house, the maturation, to see 50,000 barrels sitting in front of you resting in one warehouse. At the moment, we have uh, nearly 300,000 barrels on site. So It's great to see Irish whiskey growing in North America. It's the fastest growing uh, spirit, uh, and it's great to see just Irish whiskey booming. Uh, There's now 31 distilleries in Ireland. Ten years ago, there was only four. Mm -hmm. So the world over is, is, I guess, rediscovering Irish whiskey, and thankfully Tullamore is doing very well in that space. So it's definitely a good central point for anyone who's coming to the heart of Ireland who wants to uh, learn a bit about whiskey or deep dive into it and learn about uh, our liquid gold, and then, you know, if you're going on to Galway, you can stop into Sean's Bars, and that loan, it has that certification. as one of the oldest bars in Europe, 900 AD, which is a quite a popular spot for a lot of our guests to go to after they've visited us.
0: And, of course, when you're giving Sean's Bar a plug, then you're down at the castle, and you can go yep. into the castle and visit that. That's go back to 1690, or that period. Um, yeah, and go on to where you were born, Banastre. Long go out for the battle at uh, the Battle of Akram. Um Lots, yep, lots absolutely. of history, lots of things to see in, in that make of the woods. Um, so you mentioned there that you um, repurposed some of the facility to manufacture hand sanitizers uh, for the current crisis. That uh, transposition of manufacturing was it a difficult task, and uh, how did that go?
3: yeah i mean it definitely took some deliberation because we wanted to see how could we do it and what would be the regulation around putting something that's going to go on people's skin so we actually compromised in that we found that we actually provide the ethanol spirit to local bodies to add the hydroperoxide and the glycerol and the other necessary ingredients to finish it so we took that risk out of our hands of having any challenges with putting something on people's skins and left that to the experts so we just helped fill I guess that shortage in the market because a lot of people were contacting us. Uh, So essentially we buy back, we sell it uh, to these suppliers and then we buy back the guts of 10% and we donate that to um, a lot of local charities. So the Midlands Mobile Ambulance Service, the National Cares Association, a lot of nursing homes because they had a lot of initial problems. Mm -hmm. Thankfully, the requests have lessened now. It seems to have stabilized the market. Uh, at, at this point, uh, unless there's uh, another wave to come potentially uh, but definitely 6-7 weeks ago every call I was getting was about hand sanitizer not whiskey, so it's strange.
0: <laughs> so um, uh, as Ireland is starting to open back up again and I know um, well it'll be a while before the entertainment facilities are fully operation whether it be the Bridge House or whether it be the Harriers or mm-hmm. any of the others down mm-hmm. around, how are things uh, starting to shape up in around Tullamore
3: at the moment and at long. yeah I mean Tullamore's had a lot of work going on in, in terms of the I guess redesigning the town O'Connor Square a lot of the footpaths so they've really I guess um, done a great job making the town a lot, look a lot more aesthetic uh, it's always been a very tidy town but just to get uh, it looking a bit more modern a bit sharper so it needed that work and that's nearly completed which is great um, businesses have definitely been in a really challenging environment There's no, there's no hiding that I know from a pub standpoint and a hotel they're slowly reopening on the 29th. It is going to be very different. I mean, with the Paul Bell and the Buried Tap has said you're not allowed to handshake or pat someone on the back, no me- saying hi in the jacks, yeah. no one sitting at the bar, yeah. no music. So it, it doesn't feel quite uh, like we're there yet. I am a bit conservative because I am aware as Irish people we're, we we um, can get a bit carried away, and I would be a bit concerned that we'll. Uh, Some of the rules will go out the window, but I hope that we can slowly get back to normal in some way, shape, or form, if not just to get people working and a bit of routine to facilitate some local business, feeling that, you know, a lot of these guys, particularly the public sector, the hoteliers, they work six days a week at least, so it's very difficult for them. to. They're they're quite itchy feet type of guys and girls, so I'm sure they'd love to just get back into their premises and... uh, I look forward to going down and seeing some old faces um, and sort of see, we haven't really been able to see anyone for the most part. I've talked to a few over the phone, but it's been very much in lockdown in my own house. I haven't even in the distillery. It's quite eerie. I'm setting up for some classes, but it's the section I'm in now has no guests and won't for quite a while.
0: Right. Right. Well, Kevin, we'll wrap up there. And thanks a million for taking the time. And hopefully you'll be able to make it to Toronto in 2021 and Collision happens as a real event and that you don't get out, and that your family out in Vancouver are able to avail of your expertise in hosting
3: parties. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Lovely uh, to talk to you. Um, No, great to chat, and uh, any questions you can always send on to our Instagram about any visits. Mine is Tullamore Kevin. If anyone's coming to Ireland and they want tips for a few-day trip around Ireland, where to stay and go, they can contact me, and I'm very happy to guide them as best I can.
0: And uh, the website for uh, Tullamore Jew?
3: Literally that, D E W D-E-W.com. And as I said, the, the Instagram and the Facebooks are nearly as good for getting quicker responses. Nowadays, there's nearly always someone on it, so you should get a response within 24 hours to a question you might have.
0: So. Indeed. Thanks a million, Gavin. Well, we mentioned... Uh, Jig Jam there, and this is Jig Jam and a piece called "Tullamore, I Miss You."
2: From the Slieve Bloom to the shadow lies a timeless, rugged land. Six thousand years of growing, through nature's guiding hand, between roads Leather, and golden fields of corn Lies John more so peaceful, The town where I was born Lord, I miss you I miss you I'm amid the storm I want to be where I was born I miss you On my way from school I hurry Past the jail and acres Hall And the haunted house in Earth Street Where I heard trees that gave me shelter, often heard young lovers talk, making plans about their future as they stroll. I
0: need the storm. I want to be where I At Collision 2020, which is virtual this year, uh, Gronya Maycock is here, and she's the VP of Sales at Amplexor. Uh, Grania, what brings you here tell me about Amplexor?
4: So Amplexor helps companies grow globally by removing the language barrier. So we translate software, websites, do marketing content for companies like Cisco, IBM, Nike and others. So the 80% of the world that doesn't speak English, we help remove that language barrier and help them grow internationally. And
0: where are you based, Grania?
4: I'm based in Dublin, Ireland, but we have offices in 41 countries. 41 offices across 23 countries, and yeah, I've been with the company for seven years, um, and our clients are global.
0: And when you say, are, in, I are you in Dublin, you're Dublin-based?
4: Really? I'm based in Dublin, usually in Sandyford in the office, but since COVID-19, at home, in Orkans in Dublin, so we've had 41 offices that went remote overnight, and um, oh, super proud of the team, they've been amazing.
0: Right. A collision, um, what brought you to Collision?
4: Uh, meeting customers, seeing what's out there, mingling in a time when you can't actually get on a plane or travel. I think it's amazing. I've attended a few of Paddy's conferences in the past, mm-hmm. and I was curious about how he would enable this virtually. Very, very impressed at the mingling and networking software,
2: right. and
4: really great to be able to connect with so many people in such a short space of time. Indeed.
0: Well, thanks a million for t- telling
2: us what you're going to doing. The best of luck
0: came a still
2: alive And when great fire brought disaster One hundred how high- To be where I was born, I miss you. Oh, I miss you. I miss you. I need to come amid the storm.
0: listening to Irish Radio Canada's Home and Abroad and this year Collision 2020 uh, was a virtual conference. It was held in Toronto last year and I had the pleasure of attending and meeting a number of Irish companies who were in attendance and hearing their stories. Well this year we all had to operate in a virtual world and uh, we've been trying to connect with as many as possible. And Fergla O'Connor who is the founder and CEO of XIRR, X-I-I-R, uh, was part of the Irish contingent, and Fergal is here with me in studio. Fergal, thanks a million for coming along, and tell me a little about Zir and did I pronounce that correct? Uh, you nearly did. It's really
5: as you wish, but uh, Zar as in the czar, might may be the best way to pronounce uh, the company. And yes, we were at Collision, uh, and that was a, a great success.
0: So, uh, when, when, as know, a founder, when did that. you get invo- When did you kick it off? And what does you? What do you do?
5: Okay, so Zara was trying to it, to platform that makes the senior managers and their efforts at work much more simpler. So basically we found that the senior managers and their teams work for them um, do not have any specific technology that can assist their productivity of what to do on a, a daily, weekly, monthly basis. Um, and really what the product is... Is doing is it's more like a, a project management tool or program management tool that has compliance, governance, uh, and risk uh, all kind of built in to uh, to make the life easier for these senior managers in their work. But to simplify
0: what it does. Yeah. So, when you say risk and compliance, um, in my previous life I had a team, and I was involved in a telecommunications company. Um, so, as a director in that company, how would I, my, how might I have used the product?
5: Uh, so, basically, you have a number of projects um, in your kind of portfolio of your. Uh, of your work, and what what you do is you bring those projects together in a framework, so that's your framework, and then you collaborate with your management team or staff to help um, complete the tasks on, on those projects, and then you will have a high-level visibility Oversight of the performance of your of these projects and this framework, so it's really building your own framework, and in a very simple manner, using collaboration to give you that instant, um, uh, like real time uh, oversight of your work. So, you know, Zara makes oversight simple. You know that could be a catchphrase.
0: So then, Fergal, in that context, um, would I, as with my team, be the one that would define the benchmarks or the, along the path or the um, critical timelines, etc., and the critical performance perspectives within the uh, product so as, uh, that I have that flexibility or uh, um, is it intuitive to prompt me to create?
5: It's uh, it's highly intuitive. It's it's not really a proprietary system. So those templates that you create uh, are your own uh, work templates. So you you or your team, you get your team to build those. Or, or framework, and uh, you know, that's the idea. It's highly intuitive and simple, but it's self service. But it, you, as a senior manager, may not be the one who's actually building those and managing the outcome of them. Uh, so, uh, I think that probably gives you a flavor how it works and how you could work it in your system. Um, So it's just reducing the headache of trying to understand the proprietary kind of compliance risk or performance management tools and this kind of thing. They all are not very intuitive to somebody outside that that kind of domain, but uh, to be able to use uh, a very simple tool that brings together performance, compliance, risk, but really brings it all together in an oversight manner. So with being a senior manager, you want that bird's eye view of uh, performance of your activities and you have it at your fingertips and others... Do you collaborate to, uh, to manage these activities or to respond to them?
0: So, Fergal, normally somebody who comes up with something that's creative like this, something has happened or you have found yourself in a situation of frustration and saying, why can't I do something? Did that happen in your case? And if so, what was the inspiration? Um...
5: It kind of did. There was a few moments I had met in person in meetings with three, um, it, it, I suppose, C-level individuals of large companies, um, one one being a CEO, another being a. and I think the other was the CTO, and within the space of a few months, each of them, during those meetings, just came out of the blue and said, you know, what can I do, or what can the company do, to uh, reduce uh, the manual processes that affect everybody, but also reduce the burden of email and the management of email. So, you know, with that in mind, and also with all my um, previous uh, exposure to the corporate world, you know, I I just kept seeing a lot of really bad processes being conducted, highly ineffective, and so, you know, that made me think about, you know, uh, uh, really in the times we are in this kind of Internet times and cloud uh, first t- times. There still isn't any new type of product that you know anybody ad- can can, u- can use to improve really common processes to avoid the manual uh, the overkill of um, uh, manual processes. So when I talk about manual processes. I'm talking about the uploading, downloading, the email and responding to this insecure um, saving of all this kind of information and, you know, pass-through knowledge. But having a central platform that brings everything, all the information sources that you need for that specific framework is really, really uh, effective. if it's all collaborative, and um, you know it's also immediate, immediately uh, accessible to every type of person in the organisation, so somebody who's a near technophobe, as long as you can send an email or can log into an application, you can use this system for your own. Work framework. Uh,
0: so, Fergal, I understand there's a Canadian involvement. Or a Canadian aspect, of this, sir? Um, a can par- a Canadian story.
2: Well, there is uh, a
5: yeah. Personally, I used to work
2: for
5: a large uh, Canadian um, corporate, um, and actually. I think they were the, definitely the largest company in the, the state Newfoundland, and uh, I think they were the third largest company in, uh, at one point, IT company, service company at one point in Canada, the name being X-Wave, and the parent company being Bell Alliance or Alliance Telecom, so Bell Canada will be... Uh, to, I think as an entity, does not exist at, uh, anymore. But you know, at one point, th- there was three or four thousand staff employed throughout Canada, and also, also uh, Ottawa as well. I know we have had power to there and we looked after a lot of the provisional and federal governments uh, within Ottawa State.
0: I, r- I remember X-Wave So yeah, I worked um, You did, okay Yeah, yeah, in my in my former life I think we had uh, certain interactions with X-Wave and there were some of the people with X-Wave I used to interact with here in Ottawa uh, So yeah, indeed
1: um,
0: Let's talk about Collision and let's talk about the virtual conference and uh, how you um, found it and the exposure it gave you and your general feelings on at this side of it happening. now that it's over, where you go from here with it, um,
5: it yeah I suppose for Collision uh, you know, I've never attended this conference I do think it's a, a real good value add for a company of the size of Zaire uh, as a start up uh, with the opportunity of networking that was very accessible during the three day programme at collision. So uh, yeah there was a lot of benefits. It was online so the one thing about it being online is you know, it was trying to get um, get to know how to work work the system or work the applications you're the best effect so you get the most outcome during those three days so I do think um, you know the first online kind of conference a new thing but by day three you know I found that you know being online it it was very it was highly effective uh, and there are some opportunities, and really, as a startup, you're not looking for. It's not really the global market exposure. You're really looking for, you know, some, um, um, you know, network opportunities that can lead somewhere. So, I mean, it's not. It's not the brands are. We have a brands are. We think it's a, quite a nice one, uh, and it can be developed. But really, we were looking for some networking opportunities that we could expose, and that would be really, that may be really worthwhile down the line. So, there's one or two contacts that we need, and hopefully, we we can deliver some success there. So, you know I mean I, I mean expectations? I'm not sure what you can um, achieve from any conference uh, but in this regard it was I I do think there was a lot of uh, super delegates attending the conference and uh, uh, hopefully you know we, we end up with some success and I've met you as well here so that's why I'm talking to you so now we do it's not just trying to um, always reach out, try to get something uh, to benefit the company, but you know, just attaining new friends as well, that's a great thing as well, so hopefully uh, you'll be talking to me after this
0: interview. <laughs> so, Fergal, one of the, the things I noticed this year in Collision and I didn't come to it quick enough and understand it quick enough, was the mingle um, feature. And the mingle feature uh, for people who were not at collision, which is anyone that's out there probably listening, was a type of random speed dating, which was interesting because you clicked on the button and you said, I'm, I'm available to mingle. And when you were available to mingle, by some logarithm or other, people were thrown at you or you were thrown at them and you were given five minutes and as you were doing your five minutes you could see the clock was ticking and going down um, did you participate in any of the speed dating and how did you find that
5: I I did uh, I've never participated in speed dating and with a few years older and a married man so <laughs> <laughs> I won't tell I won't tell you the, the truth there about that but on regarding collision uh, uh, yes I did I was curious so I did participate and they gave you three minutes to uh, converse but for those three minutes it's usually it's going to be one person talking you can't have two people explaining what to do and all that so it's really one person giving their uh, um, explanation of their company and usually three months erupts and you don't have enough time to have any next steps uh, so I think I think it could be really good uh, if you practice you know what you were going to say and, uh, and uh, how you could benefit in those three minutes and um, I think the, the unknown uh, keeps the suspense about it and might keep you uh, continuing until you get somebody that you think is worthy uh, but you, one thing about it, it is it's a good way of meeting people uh, but you know, being Irish, you know, uh, I do think meeting people in person is is um, is better. A meeting people over a pint of Guinness or in the pub or wherever uh, is is definitely a better way. Uh, but it is interesting, and I think mingle would be more useful for the younger people in your company, if there are any young people in your company and they could benefit most from it Um, but I'm not sure if I answered that one
0: one of the things I found further was that I actually once I got the sense of what Mingle was about, I was actually sitting here uh, ready to hit the record button should you or another Irish entrepreneur arrive in the room, and you were going to get the, the floor to yourself. You were going to get, I, had not, I was here to listen.
1: Um,
0: the challenge I had was that with the random selection in all the people that I ended up meeting through Mingle, there was only one. Irish lady who came in and will be sharing her story on today's show as well so I would have said my challenge was how do I successfully indicate that I want those that come into my mingle are the Irish entrepreneurs I would say that was my biggest challenge but other than that I found it an interesting way of uh, meeting a cross section of people and uh, yeah it was certainly very random. Fergal, we're going to wrap up. It's been great chatting with you and it's been great getting your perspective on Collision and I wish you and the company every success and I look forward to keeping an eye and seeing as you soar to heights and maybe when Collision is back uh, next year in Toronto in its physical format, you might make it down there. Um, We might get to go and sit across and have a chat with each other. Uh, Fergal O'Connor, it's been a real pleasure chatting with you.
2: Thank you very much.
6: In my memory I will always See The town That I Have loved So well Where I Yeah. Happy day In so many, many ways
0: In the town
6: I love so well In the early morning The church I trees Oh uh-huh.